Let's turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, you guys remember last time, uh, if you were here, was it Wednesday, um, we're, we're in Ephesians and we're talking about the new man, right? And we're talking about our walk with the Lord. And by the way, walk, the word walk is mentioned seven times in the next three chapters. And so uh, uh, that's pretty amazing. But this um, last Wednesday, we talked about nine things that we mentioned that should be really manifested or revealed in our lives uh, if, in fact, we have that, um, that calling, that is, that we're worthy of the calling, right? And this calling that we have on our lives is a humble, high, uh, really a, a calling from the Lord um, that he's given us. And we understand that this calling isn't something that we work at of our own flesh, our own power, our own strength, right? It's a work of the Spirit in our hearts. It's something, it's a natural byproduct because Christ is in us He's naturally going to work through us, right? He's going to work out of us and perform what is good because what is good is not found in us. Amen, church? So um, what, what, and only he's good. And so if he's in our lives. And so uh, it's a blessing. So, um, and understand, by the way, we're talking about worth. Um, our worth isn't found in uh, anything else in this world, any material things, anything. It's not found in anything. It, our worth is found in Jesus Christ, right? And it comes through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so let's look at what it means to have a walk that's different, uh, really, than the world uh, and the world has. And so let's just read uh, Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse 17. It says, This I say, therefore, Paul says, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past filling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And so um, the question for you and me is, are we... Are we different than the rest of the world, right? Are we uh, going to different places than they are? Are we listening to different things than they are? Are we, uh, you know, are we saying different things than they are? Um, I think it's a tragedy if you go to work and one of your coworkers that you've been working with side by side for years comes up to you and says, I didn't know you were a Christian. Oh, that should be like a, right? Like a dagger in the heart. Because we, we are to be shining our light, right? We, we're to be the salt to this world. And so, um, and, and you, you and I need to be set apart, obviously, from everything that's evil in this world. And so, this whole idea of walking, it means to progress, right? It means to move forward. And that's what we're doing. And this is what the Bible says that we ought to be doing as Christians, right? We're not to be, um, you know, babies desire the pure milk, uh, you know, the, the milk. And spiritually, we know it's the, the milk of the word of God. 
but God doesn't desire us to stay as babies, right? He desires us to grow, to mature, right? If you're 30 years old and you're still on a pacifier, right, and you're still at your mommy and daddy's house, uh, there's something wrong with that picture, right? Um, I think we need to continue to grow, and it's a good thing, right? There's some people that choose not to grow. In other words, they know the more they get in the Word, uh, they're going to be responsible for what, what the Lord's revealing to them, and, and they're afraid. They live off of fear in that sense, and it's just a scary place to be in. But you and I as a church, we're to walk differently, and that's really the point that Paul is making here. In fact, the grammar assumes, by the way, that we're already uh, walking like the Gentiles. And it's, it's something we need to stop doing, and it's something we need to start doing differently. Um, and so let's read verse 17 again. It says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. And so, uh, by the way, the word Gentiles speaks of nations, right? To the Jews, the, the other nations around them were basically the heathen, right? They were the Gentile. They were the pagans. And question is, are, is our lives different than those who don't believe? You know, are we living a life that is set apart? Are we living a life that's different than those who choose not to follow the Lord? Um, Paul gives us two examples here in our text of why we should live differently. Number one, Paul gives us a negative example, and he's using the non-believers or the Gentiles, whichever you want to use there, in verses 17 to 19. And then, and that's, you know, why should we walk differently? Paul's going to use the Gentiles as a picture here for us, the reason why. Second reason is Paul gives us a positive example, and that is of Jesus Christ himself. Uh, in verses 20 to 24, now let's go back over to the first section here, dealing with, uh, you know, Paul's giving us the reason why we should walk differently uh, from the Gentiles, and he's really going to give us six things here uh, in our text that are outlined for us. Number one, because they have no purpose. Let's read verse 17 again. It says, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Now, futility, this word's mentioned three times in the New Testament, uh, and it means empty. It means void or having no purpose at all. And, and no matter how busy the unbeliever is or how driven they are you know, towards certain goals, uh, there's a void, there's an emptiness, there's a darkness, if you will, in their life, spiritually speaking. And, and according to Romans chapter 8, verse 20, uh, Paul says, For the creation was subjected to futility. Um, it's, this is something that's happened. In other words, all of us at one moment, at the moment of creation, we were all created with a void in our hearts, right? In our lives, an emptiness. Uh, that's for that term, a hole in our hearts, right? That gap, if you will, um, that, that we're desperately trying to fill. And, and sad news is a lot of people try to fill that emptiness with the things of this world, right? The material things with, you know, maybe if I had that new car, that new house, that new spouse, right? Uh, then things would be better. I mean, if only that person, right? If only I could be that person. And, and, uh, and, and you learn that once you get those things that you thought would achieve contentment in your life uh, it really didn't bring that contentment did it and so um, you, you'll never be satisfied right and the, the reason why is because you'll always bring your baggage with you wherever you go 
right? doesn't matter. Oh, maybe if I go to Hawaii, right? Then, oh, maybe if I take a cruise ship, right? Or I don't know. Maybe if, uh, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, but it's only in Jesus Christ that we can be truly satisfied, that we can truly have a life full of just, you know, um, a fullness, really, of, of everything that Christ has given us. And so, um, and that only happens, by the way, through a true relationship with Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit desires to uh, give us all that we need that's, that's in him. And so he fills that void uh, with his presence, with his power, right, uh, to perform what is good. And so let's come to the second thing here. They also have no understanding. They don't have any understanding. Notice in verse 18, it says they're having their understanding darkened. Uh, in fact, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, we're going to be turning a little bit today. Um, we should walk differently than the Gentiles since they have no understanding, no spiritual understanding. And, and sure, they have basic knowledge and understanding about, you know, the things of this world or uh, religious things and whatnot. But understand, uh, they can't even understand what we're all about. We're all about Jesus, right? We have a passion and a desire to grow and, and to glean as much as we can from the Lord. And they think we're weird, right? That, but they, looking at them, they're wise in their own understanding that they have become fools. The Bible says, Paul says, Romans 1.22, he says, professing to be wise, they became fools. First um, Corinthians, if you're there in chapter 2, look at verse 14. Verse 14, it says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Guys, you can be the smartest person in the world, but uh, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That means you don't have understanding at all. True understanding that only Christ can give you, right? This is that spiritual understanding. You're, you don't have it, right? And, and your understanding has been darkened. Basically, the blinders are on your eyes, and, and you can't see past your own understanding, right? You, you're, you're smart in your own eyes, but in reality, everybody, you know, you're not. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul even says later on, he says, Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So friends, we need to walk differently than the Gentiles, simply because they have no understanding. Uh, they're, they're so busy walking straight to hell, and basically they think you're dumb because you don't follow what they do. They say, hey, live life and party like, you, like there's no tomorrow because, you know, we go to hell, we're going to party there too, yeah, how come you don't do what we're doing, right? And they don't have understanding, so they don't know. Um, but, and that, we'll get to that too later on. But let's get back here to Ephesians. Um, let's come to the third thing here. They, they have no relationship. They have no relationship with the Lord. Uh, it says in verse 18 in the middle here, it says, being alienated from the life of God. 
So since they have no relationship with God, they walk however they want to walk, right? Um, and, and, but as believers, you and I have a personal relationship with the Lord, and that's why we should walk differently than the Gentiles. By the way, this word alienated, it means to be separated from, to be torn apart from, to be distanced between. And, and notice in verse 18, by the way, why they have no relationship with Jesus. It gives us two reasons right here. Number one, it's because of ignorance. According to verse 18 in the, in the middle there, it says because of the ignorance that is in them. By the way, turn with me to Romans chapter 1 to your left. Romans chapter 1 uh, and stay there. We're going to come come back and be referring back in Romans for a while. But the word ignorance simply means not to know. Uh, not, not, they don't have understanding, no comprehension of, of spiritual things. And the point is they don't have a relationship with God because of this, is, this willful ignorance that they have. It's not a, an ignorant, ignorance like, uh, oops, I didn't know. Right? They're not going to get to heaven and be like, you know, uh, you know, Lord, I just didn't know. They, they know and they reject it anyway. That's what we're talking about here. Uh, in Romans chapter 1, look at verse 18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So why is God's wrath going to be poured out on the unrighteous? Well, there it is. Romans, look at verse 19. It's because what they... What may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. So there is an internal knowledge, basically what it's saying is that God has instilled within their lives, within their hearts, within their minds. And, and there's also an external knowledge, I would say, of God. Uh, nobody who can stand before God, Lord, I didn't know, I was ignorant of, you know, of who you are and what you've done, and, and nobody, nobody can say that, because everything that we know about God has been revealed to us. It's been manifested to us internally as well as externally. Uh, look at verse 20 of Romans chapter 1. It says, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So if you're like, okay, I understand if I look to the stars, I look to the, you know, the, just how vast and huge, you know, these planets are and these stars are and how everything is set in such good order and how far the distance from the earth to the sun and how perfectly aligned everything is. And, and as you look at all of it, obviously there's, there's the handiwork of a creator, right? Obviously there's, there's, and then if you even picture it, go farther than that, you know, what the Bible says, you know, he holds, uh, he's got the whole world in the palm of his hand, basically, right? Or, or uh, I don't know where that verse is, but if it is there, just imagine how huge he actually is if that's the case, right? So nobody could deny a creator in reality when they look up. But what about the Godhead? I mean, isn't that part of the gospel? You know, not only knowing what he did on the cross, you know, and, and dying on the cross and rising again the third day, believing in him and who he is, but also we're to know who he is, right? That Jesus is the son of God. Uh, and we got to know the, the Trinity there, understand it. But it says right here, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Nobody's going to get to heaven and be like, um, 
I got, I, can I be excused? I'm sorry, I didn't know any of this stuff, right? Yeah, sure, come in. No one told you? Oh, yeah, you're co- come on in, right? No one's without excuse. And so God can be known of just by looking up at everything that he's made, right? In Psalm 19, verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. I love that. So there's no excuse for turning your back against the Lord. Um, let's come to the second thing in, in uh, Ephesians, and keep your finger there in Romans, we'll, we'll be back. Um, it's, it's out of hardness, it's out of hardness, right? Uh, notice in, in verse 18, it says, because of the blindness of their hearts. So they willfully harden their hearts against God and thus separated from God. This word harden is mentioned three times in the New Testament and it carries the idea of being blind or darkened and it's, it's basically past filling. And uh, in fact, go back to Romans 1. Look at verse 22. It says in verse 22, of Romans 1, professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. And therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever, amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman, burning in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do the things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, Inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the uh, righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death. Not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. So even if you're not doing those things, but there's also those that they approve of the, the other people doing those things. It's, this is amazing. Um, they have no relationship with God because they're willfully ignorant of God, right? Turning their hearts from God, basically. And, and you can only turn your back on God for so long. And people say, you know, they believe in God. And, and I think that's great. Hey, you believe in God? I, I agree with you that you do believe in God, by the way. Uh, but James would say in James chapter 2, verse 19, he says, you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe, though, and they tremble. And so that's, that's wonderful. But it, it's not about coming to an intellectual mindset of who God is. It's about coming to a personal relationship with Jesus, right? It's not about um, 
it's, it's, it's about entering into all that God has for us, right? And not just believing in his existence. And so when you say no to God for so long over the years, your heart becomes hardened, right? And, and you're no longer convicted by sin, and you choose to willfully be ignorant of the salvation that, that's obtained by Christ Jesus, right? And guys, we got it all. If we would just choose to live in it, if we would just choose to abide in it, and one day God will see that your heart will not change, and, and guess what he's going to do if that's the case? He's going to let you. He's going to leave you in your ways. He's going to be like, all right, that's what you want. God simply, he really confirms the decision that we already chose to make, kind of like Pharaoh. You guys remember in Egypt, uh, Pharaoh hardened his heart, right? Uh, he chose to harden his heart. That's what we call a willful decision. And what did God do? God agreed to allow Pharaoh's heart to be hardened against him. And so he confirmed his decision, right? And so, I got to calm down. I get all, anyways, we're to walk differently, right? Uh, We're to be different. We're to be set apart. And that's only by allowing Christ in our lives. And he will do that set apartness for us. Uh, The more we abide in his word, the more we read the word, just stand, read your Bibles and pray every day, right? That's what our teachers are telling the kids today. Read your Bibles and pray every day, right? You guys know the song. Don't act like you're too old for that song. You guys love that song, right? Do you guys remember that song? Should we all sing it? No? Okay, we won't sing. All right. Anyways, let's come back to the study here. Um, Let's come to the fourth thing. Go back to Ephesians uh, chapter 4. The fourth thing is because they have no conscience. They have no conscience. In verse 19, it says, Who being past filling have given themselves over to lewdness. Now, Lewdness means shamefulness, right? Uh, or shamelessness, unbridled lust. It carries the idea of having past feeling. And, and you are at a point where you're past feeling bad about the things that you do that you know are wrong, right? And so if you're, 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 you're here today and you're living a continual lifestyle of sin uh, in your life and, and it doesn't bother you at all, I think you gotta check your relationship with the Lord, I think you got to check in and just make sure, you know, that you really do know the Lord. You're not just here playing a religious role, right? You're just, uh, we don't want people here doing that, by the way. We want to encourage, this is the church, right? We're to be a body of believers, not a body of non-believers. Uh, we got plenty of those, right? But we come together because we want to grow in the word of God. And that's why we go verse by verse. That's why we just break it apart and we just stay in the word of God. And, and, and it's his word that really keeps us and holds us together. But when you're truly born again, you have the Holy Spirit abiding now in your heart, in your life, right? He's living in you. Uh, Romans 8, 11, Acts 5, 32, 1 Corinthians 3, 16, Ephesians 1, 14, Ephesians 4, 30. The Bible just, just uh, there's nonstop verses, right, about the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and we're sealed by the Holy Spirit, and he's now dwelling inside of us, John 16, verse 8. And what is he doing? He's convicting us of sin, of righteousness, of judgment, right? And so I love it when Christians come up to me and they say, oh, man, you know, you know, I can't even take this sin anymore. It's just bothering me. It's killing me. And there's just that smiling in me, right, where that excitement where I'm like, oh, that's awesome, right? And then they're like, what? What are you talking about? Well, that's good. And I'll go on to explain to them that that means that the Holy Spirit is abiding in you, right? I've never heard the world say, oh man, this sin is really killing me. 
No, only a Christian says that because they understand when the Lord's come in your life, he's changed your life, you're born again, and you have something called conviction, and it hits you like an ocean, doesn't it? It's like, whoosh. It's like, oh, Lord, why did I do that, right? <laughs> that's the Holy Spirit convicting you and saying, hey, let's, let's come bring this to the Lord. Let's come bring this to the cross, right? Let's remember what Christ did for you. Let's, and, and as you come back to the Lord, you're repenting. You're turning away. You're like, that's it, right? You set up boundaries, and you're out of there. Uh, you're not doing those things anymore. But um, it, it's a good thing. Let, let's go on to the fifth thing. Come back to Ephesians here. It's because they have no morals, they, got, they don't have any morals. Look at verse 19. It says to work all on cleanness. Uh, the word on cleanness simply means impure, filthy, dirty. The connotation is really uh, sexual immorality and that you and I are living a life of sexual immorality, which is interesting with the, with the context here. But Paul says, don't walk like that, right? That they have no morals. Don't walk like them. Any, anyone, anytime you have no uh conscious or it'll always result in no morals right if, you, if there's no conviction if the holy spirit's not in your life there's not there's no standard to live by um and you'll do whatever you want because you don't have moral standards right and so mor- morality is an absolute by the way the problem is when we base our morality on what we think or what we feel um now all of a sudden there is no absolutes right all is relative have you guys heard that in the universities out here all is relative well, are you absolutely true? About, is that, is that, does that make any sense to you that all is relative? Is that that's, that's an, sounds like an absolute to me, right? It just some people their their logic, but there there's there's got to be a measuring rod. There's got to be that line drawn in the sand, if you will, right? And that for us, what is it? It's the Word of God, right? And and the the sad news is that the Gentiles have different standards to what it means to be moral, right? They think, well, if it doesn't affect anybody else, go ahead and do it. As long as it doesn't, you know, affect me in any way, by all means, right? Go ahead, have fun, do what you will. That's called worldly wisdom. But we have godly wisdom, and that godly wisdom comes from the word of God. You and I have not been called to uncleanness. We have been called with a holy calling. And Paul is very, very clear, by the way, in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, it says, For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Now, our standard as believers by which we engage in morality is not what we feel or what we think. Obviously, it's based on the word of God. The Bible says in Leviticus 19.2, it says, Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, Jesus said, Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Right? I could see you guys being like, that's it, throw in the towel, I'm done, right? <laughs> how am I going to ever, you know, be perfect? This is crazy. The question is, how, how do you and I be holy? How do we be perfect? How do we be righteous, right? Um, it's not, I would say, it's not difficult. It's not uh, complicated either. 
It's impossible. <laughs> In and of your own flesh, guys, we can't do it, right? I, I don't know if we, we need God's grace, right? Because only he's sufficient to work in us what is good, right? And so as long as we're abiding in him, we're con- continuing to dwell in him. Uh, Pastor Dwight did a great job last Sunday in talking about abiding in, in him, right? We need to continue to draw near to the Lord uh, with all that we have in our hearts. And so let's come to the sixth thing here. Uh, it's because they have no contentment. They don't have any contentment. Notice in verse 19, it says, with greediness, right? So they walk with greediness, means to want more and more, having a desire to get what we don't have, right? And it carries the idea, really, of just never being content. And, and by the way, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4 to your right. Philippians chapter 4. You and I should walk differently than the Gentiles because they don't have any contentment, and we do. And, and we should be different since they're content. We're content with really where we're at and with what we have and with really who we are. And so Philippians chapter 4, look at verse 19. It says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So it does not say all your wants. Does it say that? It says all your need. Catch that. That word need is singular, right? Question, what's the greatest need that every person has in this entire world? It's salvation in Jesus Christ. That's our greatest need that we we need. It's salvation in Jesus. And so God has supplied all that we need, and that's through his son, Jesus Christ. He is our sufficiency. And thus, you and I have everything we could possibly need, right? We should never want more than what we already have. Psalm uh, 23, what does it say? For the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want you're not going to be in want. Why? Let's rewind. Bloop. Because God is our shepherd. If he really is your shepherd, he's going to take care of you. He's going to protect you and watch over you. Right? He's got you. He's got you. It's fine. Right? Um, so whatever I, I need, I already have. And if I don't have it, then I guess I just I don't need it. Right? In that logic. So that's why I should be content really with everything that I have and with everyone, right, in my life. And so the more you get in the word of God, the more you realize this. It's a blessing. Uh, Look at there in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. It says, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. And I know how to abase. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But it's through Christ, right? And that's why that's what sets us up apart from the, the Gentiles, basically, because we're in Christ Jesus. We're not in the world, if you will, right? The world's mindset and and. Uh, it's, it's Jesus who allows that contentment in our hearts, right, that, that sinks in, and we begin to realize this walk that we have with them. Uh, let's go back to Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Let's come to the second section here, and let's look at why 
we shouldn't be like the Gentiles from really a, a, a positive standpoint. You guys ready for this? It was all negative. You guys are all like, oh man, stop beating me up, right? Now it gets a little positive. That was the negative. Here's the positive standpoint. And this is dealing with Jesus Christ, right? And the number one, it's because of what's been learned. Because of what's been learned. Notice in verses 20 to 21, it says, but you, but, so notice the contrast, you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. So notice it does not say you have not heard about Christ or of Christ, right? It says you have not learned Christ. And so uh, you have not learned the Christ is really the, the terminology here. It's not just knowing about Jesus. It's coming to that personal relationship with Jesus, right? You have never learned to come to him in a sense. And so the point is simple. We should walk differently than the Gentiles because we've learned uh, uh, Christ. That, that's why we should walk in light of Christ, right? And so verse 21, notice right there that it says, if. Right. This is in the first class condition. And we would say uh, if and it is so or if and, and it, well, it's obviously so. So our English, we would say, since indeed, for sure, you have heard of him, you have learned about him. You now have the truth because of him. Right. Is the idea here. So there's there's a lot of general truth out there, but it's not the truth. What is the truth? Well, it's Jesus Christ, right? Speaks that he is the truth. He is the, the word of God, right? Speaking of, of who he is. And so a lot of people think they have the truth, but it's based on, you know, obviously what they feel. It's based on what they think. And it's just made up stuff where it's, it doesn't even make sense. But our truth is what? It's based on the word of God. And Jesus said in John 1.14, he says, And the word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus said in John 17.17, 17, he says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth, right? John 14.6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus said. And so let's come to the second. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, secondly, we are to walk differently by what's been put off. By what's been put off. Notice in verse 22, it says that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Why do we walk differently? Well, it's because of what's been put off, right? Um, turn with me to Romans to your left. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. This verb to put off, it's something that has happened in the past, actually. And in a moment of time, it doesn't happen again continually. It happened once in time past, right? And it indicates an action that has happened to us at salvation. And so you see, at the moment you've been justified, really in God's eyes, you were sanctified. And at salvation, your old self was put off in that moment of time. And so Romans chapter 6, look, look at verse 6. It says, knowing this, in verse 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, 
I thought I was going to hear some old men saying, amen, no, no, no. Um, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. So understand that you and I are no longer slaves under bondage, right? Under the power, the sway of the wicked one. We're no longer under the, the power and the authority, if you will, of the world, uh, the rule, and uh, uh, you know, just we're, we're not under that anymore. In fact, look at Romans 6, look at verse 7. It says, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you're under grace. Oh, I don't know about you, but that's like a relief. Like, oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> not under the law. I'm under grace, right? And so you're, you're still tempted, but don't allow it to take over you. Don't choose to follow it and walk in it, right? You don't have to be bossed around uh, to sin anymore, right? You have an option and that is Christ Jesus. He's our victory, right, as the church. And so we're to put off, and it's also in the middle voice, by the way, indicating an action that we accomplish and the results are in and of ourselves. In simple words, we have a decision to make, right? And so it's a choice to offer up your members as a sacrifice unto the Lord. And by the way, guys, Take advantage of the opportunity. When sin comes around, right, or temptation, I should say, take advantage of the moment and just see it as, I got an opportunity right now to glorify God. Am I going to hand this over to the Lord right now? And if I do, it's like a burning altar, isn't it? Because you have all the opportunity in the world to take it. You can say this or do that, whatever your sin might be. But you can stop it. Even if it's in the mind, you can say, Lord, here you and begin to pray, right? And just hand it to the Lord. And guess what you're doing at that moment? You're now glorifying God in that moment. It's like, it's like hearing cha-ching in heaven, right? Cha-ching, 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 right? So stock up, man, all you can in that sense. Um, but we, we can decide to walk in sin or, or we can, we can decide to walk away from sin, right? And God made a promise to send the Holy Spirit in our lives to do what? To empower us right to defeat the dominion of sin over our lives and and he would uh, give us a new heart to give us a new mind and and he would set us free really from the bondage or the captivity really that sin has over our lives and so that that's the promise of this new covenant right that he comes to break the chains and that those promises are only given to those that are sick of sin those promises are to those who are weary of it those uh, who are humble themselves and are able to confess their sins to the lord 
right? And God has given you everything you need to make the right choice, but yet uh, we make the wrong choices, right? Why? Because we're sinners. <laughs> we fall short of God's glory, and you're going to make mistakes, but get back up, right? Don't stay down. Don't allow the enemy to say, oh, look what you did now, right? And he's going to rub it all over your face, But you get up and remember, his mercies are new every morning. You know what? You brought it to the cross. You you cast your burden, right, in a sense. You you handed it to the Lord, and it's his now. Stop trying to take it back. Lord, this is my, right, from 10 years ago, the things that I did, from 20 years ago, the things that I did, stop trying to take it. Let it go. If you handed it over to the Lord, leave it, right? Allow him to, he can handle it a lot better than we can. Amen, church? And so it, it, what a blessing it is. Well, let's uh, keep going here. We, let's come back to Ephesians. Um, Ephesians chapter 4. Number 3, we should walk differently because of what's been renewed. Um, and in verse 23, it says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Renewed is in the present tense, right? You and I are constantly, we're continually being renewed in our mind because daily, what are we doing? We're getting in the word of God and it's Romans chapter 12, right? It's the renewing of our mind. And, and so the, the, the mind is really the focal point of the battle. That's where the battle is. And so Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, For the flesh lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. And so the flesh and the spirit are fighting really for control over your mind. That's where it is. And because our thoughts and our mind, it's, they're going to eventually, uh, it's going to take action, right? Whether for good or whether for bad. And so that's where the enemy is striking you. It's like those fiery darts, right? And they hit you. And even if you have a shield, right, they're fiery. So the fire hits the, or it hits the shield, but it's going to go over the shield. And if you're not armed up, in other words, in Ephesians, and we'll get there later on, but it says put on the Lord Jesus, right? He is our armor, if you will, all that we need. And so uh, when we have our minds renewed, we're strengthened in the spirit, right? We, we, we grow strong. He grows strong in us. And now... Uh, he controls our thought process, really, because when those thoughts come in our minds, it's the Holy Spirit that's saying, hey, you don't need to listen to that, right? Shut it down. Some, some people like to continually, in their thought process, just keep going. They entertain. It's more than a movie, right? It's rated R up there, or all those other rated, you know, they keep going up there. And you got to, as a Christian, we're to walk differently up here as well, right? We're to shut off those things. Don't allow those things. God is angry with those who allow wickedness to come into their minds and their thoughts. In fact, in Genesis 6, 5, it says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, right? And Deuteronomy 15, verse 9, beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart. Psalm 10, verse 4, the wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts, right? He's choosing not to dwell on anything that is of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 5, the thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. Proverbs fifteen twenty six: the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant. 
Isaiah 55, verse 7, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will uh, abundantly pardon. Amen. Jeremiah 4, verse 14, O Jerusalem, wash your heart from wickedness that you may be saved. How long shall your evil thoughts lodge? within you, right? Uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 22, repent therefore of this wickedness, your wickedness, and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. Man, these verses are intense. Uh, The only way you can stay away from sin is through really the fear of God in your heart, right? The more you are in awe of who he is and the more you're in the word, the more it's going to continue to draw you near, right? Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you, God says. And so we're to stay in that constant relationship because of this warfare. Amen, church? All right, let's let's go on to the last thing here. Go back to Ephesians if you're there in chapter 4. The fourth thing, we should walk differently than the Gentiles because of what's been put on. Not only what's been put off, but what's put on. Verse 24, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So the new man has put on, right? The old man has been taken off, right? Uh, um, What does that verse say? We're, we're a new creation in Christ Jesus, right? Uh, old has been, it's done with, right? So the choice is really up to us, right? It's, it's our choice to follow the Lord daily. And it's something that uh, the Lord does naturally in our hearts as we rely on him and what he's done on the cross for, for us, right? Did he really do that? Is God really supreme? Is God really big? I mean, we just gave that a little analogy. If the earth is so huge and vast and look at how big it is, and if it really is in the little tiny palm right, right here, in his hand right and, and and he's just staring at us right if that is how huge God is I mean shouldn't our lives be differently shouldn't we be radical for Christ shouldn't we not care if we go to prison because we're given the gospel right shouldn't it be a rejoicing matter our hearts should be different guys then our, our thoughts should be different right our actions should be different than the world if you're no different than your co-workers at work that love the world and they love the worldly music, and they're talking, and, and they're, they're, they're fantasizing about this and that, and you're, you're in on that conversation, be careful, right? What are you doing? As it's been long enough, right? If you're like me, it's like, enough's enough, man. I want to live for the Lord, and it's got to start at some point, right? So uh, if you're with me, I, I think we're, we're a team. We're the church, and we got we to... Gotta, we got to give it over to the Lord. Give him the glory for all that he does, right? And this is, this is heavy stuff, I know, uh, but doctrine without duty is basically worthless, right? And so you, you can know the Bible, but if you're not putting it into practice, then you're no different than the Gentiles. I mean, just understand it's, it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's him who will do the work if we allow him. But you won't allow him if you're dwelling in sin, right? And so that's something that we got to bring to the altar and, and take to the Lord. And so I pray that you guys are encouraged. I know it's a, it's a tough one, but uh, it's something that the Lord's laid on my heart. Obviously, it's scripture, right? And it's just laid out right here. But uh, if you guys wouldn't mind standing with me, and, uh, and I do challenge you to take this word that's been spoken and, and bring it to the Lord, right? And, and study the word on your own as well. Um, but let's, let's pray. 
Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, that your word is able to cut to our heart, Lord. It's able to um, direct us and show us, Lord, if we're going in a different direction, Lord, I pray that you would um, reveal to us those things that we need to bring before you. Lord, we thank you so much that we're, we're able to confess our sins, Lord, and that you forgive us our sins. We thank you that you are our shepherd and that you watch over us, Lord. You care for us. You love us so much so, Lord, that you demonstrated it on the cross and you rose again in power, Lord. And that same power we ask, Lord, that you would uh, continue to, to instill within our hearts in these areas as we are weak, Lord, we know you're strong and we need your grace, Lord, only you are sufficient, and so we thank you, Father, for the work that you're doing in the church, and we pray that you would continue uh, to just lead us, to guide us, Lord, to direct us in your ways, and teach us, Father, uh, that we might not walk in our own ways. And so we love you, Lord, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The more you are in awe of who he is, and the more you're in the word, the more it's going to continue to draw you near, right? Draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you, God says. And so we're to stay in that constant relationship because of this warfare. Amen, church? All right, let's let's go on to the last thing here. Go back to Ephesians, if you're there, in chapter 4. The fourth thing, we should walk differently than the Gentiles because of what's been put on. Not only what's been put off, but what's put on. Verse 24, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So the new man has put on, right? The old man has been taken off, right? Uh, um, What does that verse say? We're, we're a new creation in Christ Jesus, right? Uh, old has been, pa- it's done with, right? So the choice is really up to us, right? It's, it's our choice to follow the Lord daily. And it's something that uh, the Lord does naturally in our hearts as we rely on him and what he's done on the cross for, for us, right? Did he really do that? Is God really supreme? Is God really big? I mean, we just gave that a little analogy. If the earth is so huge and vast and look at how big it is, and if it really is in the little tiny palm right, right here, in his hand right and, and and he's just staring at us right if that is how huge God is I mean shouldn't our lives be differently shouldn't we be radical for Christ shouldn't we not care if we go to prison because we're given the gospel right shouldn't it be a rejoicing matter our hearts should be different guys then our, our thoughts should be different right our actions should be different than the world if you're no different than your co-workers at work that love the world and they love the worldly music, and they're talking, and, and they're, they're, they're fantasizing about this and that, and you're, you're in on that conversation, be careful, right? What are you doing? As it's been long enough, right? If you're like me, it's like, enough's enough, man. I want to live for the Lord, and it's got to start at some point, right? So uh, if you're with me, I, I think we're, we're a team. We're the church, and we gotta, we got to we got to give it over to the Lord. Give him the glory for all that he does, right? And this is, this is heavy stuff, I know, uh, but doctrine without duty is basically worthless, right? And so you, you can know the Bible, but if you're not putting it into practice, then you're no different than the Gentiles. I mean, just understand it's, it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's him who will do the work if we allow him. But you won't allow him if you're dwelling in sin, right? And so that's something that we got to bring to the altar and, and take to the Lord. And so I pray that you guys are encouraged. I know it's a, 
it's a tough one, but uh, something that the Lord's laid on my heart, obviously it's scripture, right? And it's just laid out right here. But uh, if you guys wouldn't mind standing with me, and, uh, and I do challenge you to take this word that's been spoken and, and bring it to the Lord, right? And, and study the word on your own as well. Um, but let's, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, that your word is able to cut to our heart, Lord. It's able to um, direct us and show us, Lord, if we're going in a different direction. Lord, I pray that you would um, reveal to us those things that we need to bring before you. Lord, we thank you so much that we're, we're able to confess our sins, Lord, and that you forgive us our sins. We thank you that you are our shepherd and that you watch over us, Lord. You care for us. You love us so much so, Lord, that you demonstrated it on the cross and you rose again in power, Lord. And that same power we ask, Lord, that you would uh, continue to, to instill within our hearts in these areas as we are weak, Lord. We know you're strong and we need your grace, Lord, only you are sufficient, and so we thank you, Father, for the work that you're doing in the church, and we pray that you would continue uh, to just lead us, to, to guide us, Lord, to direct us in your ways, and teach us, Father, uh, that we might not walk in our own ways. And so we love you, Lord, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.